Hi, I'm Bill Deverell. Welcome to Western Edition Season 3, Memorializing the West. A year ago, our second season focused on the past, present, and future of Los Angeles Chinatown. And as part of that fascinating exploration, we investigated the horrific 1871 massacre of Chinese and Chinese Americans in downtown Los Angeles. In October of that year, a mixed-race mob of approximately 10% of the resident population of Los Angeles killed 18 Chinese men and boys, or about 10% of that ethnic and national group's population at the time. Though the event has burned in the memory of the Chinese and Chinese-American community for over 150 years, the rest of Los Angeles, people who live or who visit here, generally know nothing about it. But thanks to the collaborative efforts of grassroots organizations and institutions working in concert with the city of Los Angeles, a fitting and powerful memorial to the victims of that massacre is now well underway. It made sense to us at Western Edition to add this final episode to our Memorializing the West season, as it offers a coda to what we've done and where we've gone this season, and we think, as well, a bridge to last season's Chinatown investigation. Following a summer 2022 public call for ideas and a competition, artist and photographer Nicholas Leung and writer Judy Chung were selected from nearly 200 submissions and eventually five other finalists, all of whose thoughtful work sought to redress our city's amnesia about this event. I spoke with Nicholas and Judy recently about their design and their process, beginning with how they became a team. We met back in graduate school, actually. (laughs) So we knew each other as friends first, and then because we worked together in school, we appreciate each other's aesthetics, and then it just naturally became a partnership. We do have our own work and our own projects, and Nicholas's is with photography and painting, and mine is in editing and writing. And um, we've also worked together for a while, mostly on book projects at first, and then more recently in the last few years on collaborative artworks with visual art and prose. So, Nicholas, um, given what Judy <laughs> just described about the, the range of skills and the different disciplinary skills that you bring to this, can you tell us a little bit about where the overlaps in aesthetics or practice happen and where the two of you bring different skills in? So I think that the overlaps uh, perhaps have to do with an interest both in history and also um, environments and how history impacts environments. So I think those two skills kind of naturally overlaps in this interest or this focus with the memorial because um, there's a really kind of interesting but also tragic overlap between how history impacted the environment. So in my previous work in photography and also in painting, I have been looking in how uh, history both impacts the environment and also how it's erased from it. Nicholas first learned about the massacre while researching his father's family history. As he shared what he had learned with Judy, they realized their childhood schooling in Asian American history did not include critically and tragically important events, such as what happened in Los Angeles in the fall of 1871. And I think it was stunning to both of us how unknown this history is. Um, I think for both of us, because we um, relatively recently found out about these events, and um, I found out about it uh, sort of doing uh, some research and looking into my grandfather's history, because he was from 
the same region for where many of the immigrants came from in Toisan and Seyap near Hong Kong, which experienced a huge amount of immigration throughout the world. And so uh, this history is part of this uh, larger history of immigration. And so when I found out about the massacre, it was in the context of a tremendous amount of tragedies that the Cantonese uh, population experienced throughout the world, so, such as massacres in Torreon, in Rock Springs, in House Canyon, um, but also all the legislative efforts to prevent immigrants from settling in the country. And to find out that this history, which is about a ratio of population, was itself also erased, uh, was a very kind of powerful starting point for both of us. The call for ideas for the memorial offered the pair the opportunity to conduct further research and to translate that research into a meaningful memorial design. It was a very natural decision that we should propose a design for this memorial, but actually for us it was more important to be able to have an opportunity to research more into these events because they already were very important to us in terms of uh, finding out this history and doing the reading for knowing our own histories better. Um, We actually didn't really have the intention so much of having a goal to win it. It was more that we really wanted to find out about these events and to translate it in a way that could be uh, meaningful. So we had already been doing a lot of research into emigration, into these histories, and had already been thinking about it when the call was announced. And so when it was announced, it was sort of a very natural decision for us to decide to do something. Throughout season three, we used our research skills to try to understand plaques and memorials across several hundred years. We made our best guesses as to the intentions of the artists and committees that chose words and forms to mark or remember the past. Speaking with Nicholas and Judy, we had an opportunity to have a clearer sense of intention with regard to this memorial. They shared that they had three main goals. The first involved telling the history of this massacre grounded in historical context and attuned at the same time to contemporary issues. It was important to us to be able to represent the tragedy of the massacre and how to do it in a contemporary way. And then that it was important that the memorial should be an experience rather than a single large monument to be looked at. And it was important to us to be able to represent each of the people that were killed, to acknowledge them and represent them somehow. And so from the start, I I had this idea that there should be 18 pillars standing for each person that had been killed. And then as we discussed the idea more, Nicholas thought that the form should probably be more organic. And then so that's when he um, suggested the banyan trees that he'd photographed in his grandfather's village in Toisan, Kwantang. So then when we agreed on this imagery of trees and roots that had lived for hundreds of years, and it allowed us to be specific with a cultural reference, yet also universal at the same time, because to many cultures around the globe, trees represent life, longevity, and growth. And uh, eventually, as we kept discussing and talking about this proposal and our concept, we realized that the three goals I had mentioned, um, that the first one should be about how um, to help people understand this tragic event, you know, both in itself and through um, the context of Asian American history. In 2018, I'd made a trip to Seyap, particularly to, to the area um, where my grandfather uh, emigrated to 
uh, Liverpool in 1911. And um, I went because my father had been looking into the history of his father. So I went to uh, look at the villages and I initially went both to find out about my grandfather's history, but also to look into these very interesting buildings that are there. And when I was photographing in the villages, I noticed that in the front of every village was a banyan tree, a beautiful, tremendous banyan tree. And they were used in very particular ways that I hadn't seen before. They were places of social gathering. Uh, there were benches underneath the trees. There were places for people to exchange uh, news. Um, but also there was a very interesting uh, use of um, markers and of altars uh, to pray to the gods and so on. So one could tell that they were revered. And the more I found out about them, I, f I found out that they had a very important part in Sayyap culture insofar as the trees represented uh, these guardian spirits that would guard over the villages. They represented life, uh, genealogy, um, having roots in, in the land. And uh, I photographed them and this stayed with me. And when Judy and I were speaking about possible directions for the memorial and um, she was talking about having individual pillars uh, for each of the people who were, who were killed, we uh, then started talking about the banyans and how the imagery of trees could be something that is un universally understood in the sense that they of what they represent to humanity in general as far as representing life, our surroundings, but also about uh, the cruelty that can be inflicted on trees and uh, on people. And also what uh, attracted us to using the banyans as an influence is that they are also very culturally specific to say up culture. And uh, that was a very kind of potent imagery for us to follow. The team's second goal was to have their installation aptly represent the diversity of Los Angeles. There was um, a wide mixture of people um, within Los Angeles, even at this very early time, and that the cultures of the early um, Chinese quarter were largely formed by this Cantonese population that came over from Toisan and Sayup, and that this culture also became intertwined with every other culture in early Los Angeles. And so that was a way for us to show that there was you know, diversity and also solidarity among the various cultures in, in Los Angeles. The third goal seems perhaps the most challenging, to balance history and contemporary aesthetics. The memorial itself should be open and inclusive, and that it should be um, both culturally specific, and then also speak to shared experiences of all these various cultures, and um, that the memorial itself can be both abstract and representational, so that it can be both traditional and contemporary at the same time. And the idea that it should be contemporary was very important to us too because um, sometimes um, imagery for cultural references are perhaps stereotyped or maybe too archaic and doesn't actually represent how Asian Americans see themselves these days. And um, we felt that there should be a balance of the history and the, the contemporary at the same time. I find this um, commitment to a memorial like this to be an experience, um, to not be a static, you know, plaque or the tried and true uh, bronze horsebacked rider 
Um, but the notion that this is, this is expected to be an experience, that people experience this design, they become aware of this tragedy, and then they're changed by their movement through the trees uh, on the site where some of the most horrific actions of the massacre took place. I find that very powerful and moving. When you came up with the design and then things took their way and you were chosen, can you tell us a little bit about your imagination of how people will eventually encounter and experience what you've produced? Yeah, so we hope that there will be a whole range of experiences. So we did imagine that the memorial itself could just be a sculpture park for sitting um, beside and underneath trees and also for cultural events and commemorations, such as the annual commemoration of the um, massacre. And then it could also serve as a place for school kids and adults to learn about the massacre and the early history of Asian Americans. And the experience could also range from people who don't know about the massacre and then stumble across the memorial to those who do know about the massacre and come to pay their respects. And um, we also did imagine that perhaps some people don't want to know too much about the history, and then they just use the memorial as another park while others would be inspired to explore more on their own or by looking at the memorial website and, and listening to and taking the audio tour and, and taking advantage of the supplementary materials. But our primary hope is that people will want to learn more and will experience the history and then the massacre itself by going to the site and visiting it and also feel that it is something that that they would want to um, learn about more and that it is something that um, an event that they could actually, you know, sit with and contemplate and um, perhaps not feel threatened by it, but actually learn from it. We found it very important uh, to have a strong emotional impact when people encounter the memorial. So upon encountering this grove of trunks to really feel the impact of individual lives being cut short and that one doesn't really have to know very much about the history to feel this um, the emotional impact of the tragedy itself represented through the trunks at the same time we also wanted for if people wanted to know more to be able to find out different um, layers of the complexity of this history and uh, so to do this through the timeline and also the uh, relationship to all of the other sites and even the trees um, because the trees themselves, both the existing trees and the trees that we want to propose, have their own very uh, interesting uh, histories, both as native trees and also as immigrant trees that uh, form uh, kind of a parallel uh, to the histories that we're, uh, we're looking into. So in that sense, the, the research was very important to us because we acknowledge that this is a very complex history of many different groups of people coming together. And uh, we wanted the uh, memorial itself to uh, reflect this uh, complexity while not simplifying it or brushing over it in a way that uh, would lessen the emotional impact. Yeah, it's that multi-layered um, approach that is so utterly fascinating because unlike, let's say, a plaque nailed to a wall, which is a static single experience, I would expect, the notion that people will find their way to your design again and again and again for different reasons or to 
look through and past and inside those multi-layers, it just is so exciting in a very powerful and emotional way, but exciting to think how this will become textured in the lives and experiences of, we would hope, the millions and millions of people either who live here or who visit here, who find their way on purpose or by accident into that grove of banyans. There is a sort of tragic coincidence or overlap of the massacre taking place in the very heart of what was then downtown Los Angeles, the very center of the origin story of Los Angeles from the late 18th century forward. Anti-Asian violence or racist violence in general is woven into American history and culture in ways that people would rather forget. Memorials such as this one make space for people to encounter that and to try to understand that this is part of Los Angeles history. This is part of Southern California history and it can no longer or should no longer be erased or forgotten. Memorials like this will serve as really lasting reminders and give us a hopefulness, I think, in terms of grappling with that history. Our guests offered us final thoughts on the impact of their work. I uh, hope that it will achieve everything that we um, intended for it and um, that it will become an important part of people's understanding of the history of um, Los Angeles and also of uh, California and also of the United States. I actually found it interesting that um, when we were looking into the history and recognizing that there's a connection to the current anti-Asian violence, that other Asian Americans of different backgrounds also made that same connection. And I hope that this memorial can be a place for all of us to come to and learn more about. And not just Asian Americans in general, but everyone, the larger population. We really do want the memorial experience to be a cumulative one in the sense that uh, it will make people find out more not only about the specific history, but also the related histories in the United States. And these issues are so complex and ingrained in American society that uh, I hope it'll encourage people to see how this history relates to the many other histories in the States. I'm Bill Deverell. Thank you to our guests in this episode, Nicholas Leong and Judy Chung. And thank you for joining us for Season 3 of Western Edition. Western Edition's team includes Avishai Artsy, Katie Dunham, Jessica Kim, Elizabeth Logan, and Stephanie Yee. Western Edition is a production of the Huntington USC Institute on California in the West. Thank you for listening and be well. <laughs>